What's up, guys, and welcome back to a Thursday edition of Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right, we're back, and our continued adventures of John Carpenter in but Vegas. fucking in space. I'm yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> my favorite movie. I love time. that movie in my anywho, imagination. Anywho, in our episode called Carpenter Cuts. By the way, guys, what we're going to be doing? We're going to be talking about our adventures to the audio pleasure dome of john carpenter in perturbator but we're also going to be talking about the movies body bags and prince of darkness today so if you already know about our first episode on monday where we talked about zach baggins and of course our horror shots and our news but we go into great depth about the zach baggins the haunted museum that's located in vegas after we went to that we actually went to another little adventure at the Hard Rock Cafe at the Joint to go see none other than Horror Master Great John Carpenter. That's right. And he was accompanied by someone who's from the UK. He was actually on a tour out here in the US, but Perturbator made a special appearance in Vegas for the Joint, and it was fucking awesome. It was amazing. It was pretty fucking great, man. Like I don't know. Like, just the venue was amazing. I love the joint. It's super fucking great. The drinks are outrageous. That's everywhere in Vegas. That's actually, like, tame in pricing compared to every other club. It's like LA drinks. A regular nightclub in Vegas, their drinks are like $30 per drink. $15, $30, yeah. No, like $30 for a vodka fucking cranberry. Well, it's all it's like about flashing that cash. Yeah, unless you're a girl and you have a vagina, then yeah. they, it's not as much money. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. Like, girls get the fucking treatment out in Vegas yes, because guys will pay it. Yes, they will. So we were talking about how sexist it is towards men. It is sexist. It's kind of bullshit. I feel like everybody should just pay the same price. But and, and also sexist as women because it's like, well, they can't afford it. Like, what are you trying yeah, to I'm say? Yeah, like, I can't. I can't spend a $50 cover to get in this club. <laughs> I don't want to. I guess they just have a high but I can. amount of men who uh, no, it's frequent. Like, it's always the mentality of they want more women in their clubs than they want men in their clubs. And it makes them seem more appealing to everybody, which I understand. But as a woman, I don't want a club full of chicks. <laughs> I want a club full of dicks. <laughs> I was going to say so... it, but it's like... <laughs> it's like, we don't want a club full of competition. I mean... <laughs> like, I want. I don't want a club full of dicks. I want a club full of 
Tits? <laughs> clits? Jesus, clits. Throw your clit in the air. Of, I want a clip full of clits. Yeah, throw your clits in the air, girls. Like you just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> But I want a club full of fucking dicks and clips. I don't care. Like Jesus Christ, I don't fuck. So should we talk about it? Like let's. How <laughs> no, do we keep talking? Let's about talk this. about dicks. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> we usually do on the podcast. We do dicks and clits. <laughs> it was probably heavier clits in the dick dicks. area uh, before you got on the show. It was uh, with Mike and Patrick. I, brought, I think I brought the clit to the pod to the podcast. Mike? You're welcome. Yeah, Mike brings a lot of dicks to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So we went to the show, and we knew that Perturbator was going to go. I, at first, only knew that Carpenter was going to be playing. So I didn't even Same. know Perturbator was going to go. And then a few days before we went, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be badass. I still didn't know what it was. You didn't know who Perturbator was? <laughs> no. Really? No. I, ca- I caught on when a bunch of our friends went to the Perturbator, and I don't know who else. Oh, dude, we got to tell the story. Here. What story? We got to tell the story of how you ran into someone, some people you knew. <gasps> Tony! <laughs> yeah. Yay. So go ahead. So, so we, we got, like, really nice seats. Like, we picked dead center group. Like, there was center, and then there's, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, there's left stage, right stage, and center group in the front. And yeah, we, we picked the center group. It was called Gold 2. There's like 12 to 15 rows back from the stage, right in the center, which is where like sound is prime. Right. Um, and that's it was perfect. where our, our seats ended up being. Um, interestingly enough, I went to go to the bathroom and like on the way back from the bathroom, I see this fucking glorious blonde vixen standing there and i'm like making awkward like i'm staring i'm not even not even making awkward i'm staring at her like super <laughs> uncomfortably and i'm trying to do this like weird creepy like do i know you thing like it was really weird so i'm glad i did know her and it was who i thought it was because i would have looked really fucking creepy to anybody else right but um I, i'm i'm thinking it's her but i'm not 100 percent sure anyways but it, it turned out being um my friend tony who was the original lady thor for all of you cosplayers out there um or who follow cosplayer chicks and cosplay or whatever but she was the original lady thor with her glorious fucking abs and everything she's a fantastic nice. cosplayer oh that's who that is yeah um and then Often- she's there with her boyfriend wes okay but yeah so i ran into her and i'm just like what the fuck like we're, we're talking and i'm wes really wanted to go to the haunted museum and they ended up um not going because it was closed on sunday Oh, and so they were asking like if it's worth it if it's worth going and i was explaining to them that it was and we're talking about it and then i was like all right well i should probably go and find my seat and i'm like where are you guys at did you get a seat or are you you know back here because there's like general standing admission too like back by the bars i'm like oh no we got a seat and i'm like oh cool i'm like what section are you in like we're in like gold two and they're like oh we're in gold two and i'm like yeah well we're in row pp haha pp they're like we're in pp too and i'm like fuck you no you're not and she's like yeah we're in we're in seat 14 to 15 i'm like we're in 17 we're in and 18 17 and 18 like how weird is that what the fuck one like, we didn't know they were going no two they happened to be in the same row two three, seats away two seats away yeah it was absolutely it was so fucking cool how weird they, that literally means that they were buying tickets at the same fucking time yeah it was the coolest shit ever and i really wish the boring ass lame couple that was next to us wasn't there because i just wanted to hold tony's hand the whole time but i couldn't reach oh him. the one to your right yeah the boring couple to my right the the couple that were next to me so on stoic. my left were really fucking cool they were cool tim and heather me and and tim were like talking like 
nonstop. Yeah, they were cool as fuck. Yeah, they were really fucking cool. We were talking about synthwave. We were talking about horror movies. We were talking about just about everything. So if you guys are listening, I just I told you guys I'd give you a big shout out. Big shout out to Tim and Heather. Super fucking cool couple. Super awesome people. So glad I got to hang out with you guys at the show. You guys made that like so much better for me. Yeah, so. they were really cool. I wish they were closer. I know. To me. I wanted to hang out with them afterwards, but I felt bad because we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> we didn't. And the people to my right were like extremely stoic and boring. So. Yeah, they were like, I'm enjoying they the show. They didn't move. They were robots. I am enjoying the show. It was the weirdest shit ever. I'm like, are you enjoying the show? Like, I am so excited. I didn't even think they were breathing. I wanted to check the pulse. <laughs> Check his mustache pulse. His must his fucking like <laughs> hipster stash, yeah. Whatever. First of all, Perturbator comes on. It's a fucking amazing. Like to hear his music live is one thing, right? Like you can hear anybody's music live and they can push play and then that's it. Perturbator actually chose to play the instruments that he had there. I believe he had a Prophet 6. Actually, I think he might have had two, like a Prophet 6 and some other modulator. I can't even remember, but he had some actual hardware synths, one of which he actually fucked up on his flight from Vegas to Baltimore. Oh, really? Uh, Apparently, I saw that online or something. And, well, first of all, let me ask you, because you've never heard of him. Nope. What did you think of his show? fucking incredible what do you think of the music it's extremely hard for me to get into something that doesn't have any lyrical content or vocals right like it really is like at least for me to go to a show like it's one thing for me to go and see john carpenter perform right but i know there's gonna be this visual like extravaganza right and also i've seen most of his movies if not all of them so it's i don't care right like it, it makes sense to me in my brain i can write the movie in my head but it's it's always hard for me to get into something that doesn't have any type of a lyrical content or or whatever you know and then it's also weird to go to a show that you're sitting right for something that should be dancing time, which perturbator is very dance worthy music exactly and i loved it yeah it was absolutely just a fucking blast from start to finish like he was extremely impressive yeah like good on him this poor guy has to play to a room of thousands of sitting people right and there's like one dancing guy in like the far like left corner was there really oh yeah he was standing up dancing almost the whole time and it was like i'm making love to your music he totally was he was like i want to fuck your brains out the whole time and i'm like you fuck his brains out like that's okay But the, like, it's so cute because like the whole, the when he first comes out, I like smack Alex on the arm. I'm like, oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> that guy's pulled his weight, man. That guy's been doing music for a long time, and I he's, love it. He's fantastic. He, he's one of the more experimental um, uh, synth wave or but uh, dark synth players like in the game. Like, that's uh, a fucking producer to me, though. Like, oh, he's really that good. That is yeah. a fucking music producer to me. His music is out of it's completely different than anything else i've ever heard and i was a fucking huge fan immediately that's really cool to hear that because i I didn't know what you were going to think because like this is all kind of new to you like i've been listening to this stuff for for many years now um maybe not as much as in the last two years i've really gotten into it i've been listening to it on and off there was stuff i used to listen to with calm trues like four or five years ago which he was like one of the first to bring back some of that retro feel in my opinion i mean like i'm for those of you who aren't super familiar with me or like what I'm into musically, like I'm a fucking metalhead. Right. I've been a metalhead my entire life, and I but I also love 
love, 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 very heavy industrial. That's obviously like metal S, right. but Black Death and Doom Metal are my favorite genres of music. Right. Period. I do really like synth or like synth wave, synth poppy esque. Not so much synth pop, but right. like I like the heavier synth electronic Darker stuff that shit. sounds like haunted house music. Right. Super into it. I feel like that's the ultimate range to show your talent when you can make people, you can evoke an emotion from people without words. Well, he's actually, yeah, no, and that's something he's something done. that John Carpenter right. is a fucking master of. He's really good at has it. Has been a fucking master <clears throat> of his entire fucking career. He's not just a good director. He's not just a one trick pony. He's an amazing composer. Yeah, he's an amazing composer. He's Jesus. even an actor that you guys are going to find out here Lindsay shortly. Is fantastic at that too. One thing I wanted to point out real quick. After we got done the show, and this we're not we're gonna get into the John Carpenter bit real quick and just talk about that before we uh, get into our movies. By the way, guys, so we apologize if you were waiting to get to the movies. You know we're bubbling we gotta because suck of some the dick first. Sorry. dude. We had such an amazing time at this show. <laughs> we got to tell you, so deal with it or just skip to us. Skip to the part you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, technology. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But uh, I was going to say, like, when we left, we were taking an Uber out of there. We had to walk, like, through the entire casino to get to the Uber area, Uber lift area, take the Uber lair. <laughs> Uber lair. Yeah, it yeah, was to like get a whole out. fucking Batcave en- entrance. And then she, Brittany's like, hey, is that him? And I looked over and I was like, yep, that's him. That's per- Perturbator right there. Mm-hmm. So, and then one of the funny things, I didn't tell you about this, but I thought it was really funny. He could totally see me so, staring at him through the window, by the way, which I'm pretty sure he was uncomfortable. He said, uh, <laughs> back from Vegas where I got fucked up, lost 20 grand, opened for a legendary filmmaker, and retrieved the platinum chip. Proud man here. <laughs> he had 20 grand to lose? I know, that like, Little wow, son of a bitch. I know, dude. Was he like 12? I want to no, lose 20 he's grand probably, He's got to be in his 20s. Motherfucker. But, you know, a lot of these synthwave players are big into metal and electro and shit. Uh, Carpenter Brute is one of those people. He is also one of those people. Ghost, or Ghost, is also one of those people. They like metal. Well, yeah, I mean, there's such genres as fucking, like, technical metal. You can write guitar riffs with synth, and I that's what I've used in some of the music I've done, so it's interesting. I feel like some of them are, like, really into different stuff than what you would expect. Oh, big time. To get and in, jump into John Carpenter, who played after Perturbator, John Carpenter has... He knows how to make a mood for movies. Some people appreciate him, like most people appreciate him heavily, but not everybody. Not every track that he's ever done is like perfect. But I think that he brings a particular flair to stuff. You can't reject songs like Halloween. Like it's simple, but it's effective and it works. Everyone knows the score for Halloween. Right. And then you start to get into like the bigger fans who are into like the fog. And which is a actually a pretty good track. It always kind of reminds me of like Fulci stuff. Oh shit, that never made it to movies. Oh yeah, like Fabio Fritzi stuff. Like it reminds me of that a little bit sometimes too. But that was the times, you know. And I feel like John Carpenter has like a uh, kind of like a rock ballad sort of synth feel to him yeah. a little bit. Like he's got like a bluesy thing he's too. Like Brett Michaels of horror. It's so weird. Like he does so <laughs> many different styles. Like and he combines them into his John Carpenter esque stuff. So he went on tour. He played up next for us. It was John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, his son. Uh, God damn, I can't think of the other guitarist who was really the good. The guitar man. player was incredible. Dude, man. And then he had a backup bassist and another guitarist, a rhythm guitarist. And a drummer. And a drummer. So it was like this full six piece band. 
John Carpenter, of course, played the keys on all the stuff, and it was like they redid a lot of the tracks. They redid the they did the Christine song that they did a music video for. Oh man, was so. What did you think of that? Like, what did you think of oh, this show? Oh, my fucking mind was blown. Not only was the remastering of a lot of the work beautiful, right? Incredible. It was all it, live. Like, it was all live. They were all playing everything live, which was really cool. And the whole time I'm texting my husband, like, why can't you be the guitar player for this fucking band? Like, fuck you. Play <laughs> guitar for John Carpenter. Like, Jesus. Right. The visuals that went along with it was fantastic. Like, the bits and pieces that they chose of mm-hmm. each movie to correspond with the music was spot on. Yeah. They played like, some pretty deep cuts, they too. They did. They absolutely did. And they picked very pivotal moments from each of his works right? that fit very well with the music. And it, I don't know. It was awesome. Of course, I'm pretty sure everybody was like me and waiting for the fucking score for Halloween. Right. Um, or <laughs> Which the Cody thing. Carpenter did all the, the live for fucking six minutes or whatever the fuck it was. And you watch him when he's done. You see him rub his hands on his pants. He looks so tired. And I was like thinking to myself, like, damn, Cody, like that had to have hurt your wrists and your hands. I was popping my fucking knuckles and wrists for him. Yeah. I'm like, ow, 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 ow. He was playing. All of that shit was live. like, what, six keys or whatever? It was so fucking cool, though. Like, I don't know. I... I loved it. Between the, I was waiting for that and the score for the thing. So I was Right. I wanted to see that. I was kinda hoping that they would play the Enio Morricone um version, which is a little bit more softer, uh, but darker. Yeah. Um uh, but he didn't play that, guys. He played his song that he did uh over that. And I'm probably sure that has to do with some of the respect that he has for Enio Morricone because it wasn't just his song. That didn't probably they the wrote rights. it together. But they, yeah. I've heard that the song, that song, that the title track that they do for the thing, ding, 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 ding. so good. It's like that track. I heard that it was like eighty percent Carpenter. Oh, I'm sure. And Enio Morricone, um, <clears throat> he actually did the rest, but he would never admit that because John Carp. If you ever, if you ever listen to an interview with John Carpenter, he doesn't talk of himself very highly. Oh, he's super humble. Yeah, he is like, you know, he will point out people who have worked and did help on the song that he did that worked behind the scenes more than he will about himself. Mm-hmm. So he's he, pretty vocal about things that he doesn't like. He's very much like the person that's going to give credit to the guy who cleaned up the mess from his breakfast that morning. Yeah, right. Before yeah. he would give credit that to That helped himself. him give him the better day because he actually cleaned it up for him. Right. Or that fetched him a water when he was parched or something. Yeah, like it seems it, like. It's things like that. Like That's one of the things that I love so much about him because he's very humble and he's always been that way. And I, I like that. I mean, I'm sure he's like most of us that'll toot their own horn when the moment presents itself. Sure, but. yeah. It, it, and you know what? He played a lot of the stuff live and it was really great to see how excited he was. He he made some jokes on stage. Uh, a lot of it was written, you know, but it was fucking John Carpenter. So was I wasn't incredible. complaining. One of the things that I'm going to be posting this week for you guys, by the way, if I haven't already posted it by Monday, is I'm going to be posting the full um, In the Mouth of Madness score that John did which I thought was one of my favorite yeah, of the night. Yeah, that was top three for me. He did play some of the B-sides, the the ones that the lost um, themes off of one and two. I think it was like Vortex, and, and I can't remember the other one. Yeah, Vortex is what he led with. That was like one of the big... 
I, that's one of the bigger tracks on on the themes, in my opinion. So it makes sense. I forget what the other one's called, but he played that. He also did Children of the Corn, uh, or no, Village, Village of the of Damned. Damned. I'm sorry, yeah. why did I say Children of the Corn? It's very similar. <laughs> yeah, it is very similar. No, they're insanely similar. Because so if you guys didn't it. know this, he actually did the score for Village of the Damned. He didn't direct it or anything, but he did the, did music, the music for it. Uh, he also did Body Bags. He also, which is what part of the reason why we watched it. Uh, he also did. Um, what else did he do? Oh, he did. Well, we said the thing. He did. I mean, there was probably like fifteen songs total. They did. Uh, what was it? Was it Big Trouble in Little China? Yes, yeah, they did do Big, Big Trouble in Little China. China. They did Escape from New York. Yep. Did you Escape from LA? Assault on Precinct. Assault 13. on Precinct Thirteen. Ding yeah. ding 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 ding. Oh, ding 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 ding. So awesome. Ding 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 ding. 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 It's a so pretty. It's a pretty too, boring right? song if you really think about oh, it. Oh, for sure. But it was. It's just one of those things that gives you nostalgia. I just, can Can I just talk about the fact that I feel like Stranger Things and the people who compose the music for Stranger Things like very very heavily borrowed from John Carpenter. Oh, a lot. Most people do. Most that's they will fully admit. I mean, anybody yeah. that was influenced by something at some point has some semblance of some of that stuff, even though it doesn't sound directly the same. No, it's very different in its own way. The but mood, it's, though, it's sometimes still so very John Carpenter. The the, the, the track that that strange for Stranger Things is really good, though. Fuck yeah, like, it it's is. it's really Jesus. good. I know a lot of people get a little like. <laughs> It's not that good. It's but like, that good. It is, it's a really good, it's a well-produced track. When in, you can admit that it's a well-produced track is that it can stand on its own and you know exactly what it represents. Yeah, no, that's Hence, true. Yeah. John Carpenter. Right. You can play almost any score from any fucking movie that he's ever done and you're going to know and sure. understand exactly what it represents. Therefore, Stranger Things also hits the mark on the same Although I will say, uh, Shocker kind of reminds me of a John Carpenter song. Shocker! Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You ever seen that movie? Fucking dude. I don't know why, for whatever reason, it just feels like that was like the (laughs) hairband sort of thing Uh going on. Because he played, one of my favorites was the In the Mouth of Madness, like I said. Um, And those two are very similar in a lot of ways, but the like, oh man, that song. And it's probably because I love that movie so much. But I, I, I recorded the whole fucking thing. I held it there for like five minutes. You could probably hear me and Tim chatting uh, to the side. So overall, though, I mean, did you enjoy the show? Like, was it the... Overall, incredible experience. If you have the opportunity to catch it in your city or a city that's close to you, fucking do it. Worth it, yeah. And don't think twice about the money because it is worth it. Um, actually, I'm glad I waited to see it in Vegas instead of in Phoenix. Yeah, I think it was better. It was because we would have had to pay three times as much money to have the type of a seat that we did. Right. We paid 60 bucks a piece and we had insane. amazing seats and got it's to insane. see two bands. 60, what we would have paid to have, like the seats we would have gotten for the money that we paid in Vegas, if we would have paid that in Phoenix, we would have had nosebleed seats behind like eight rows of people. Right. It would have sucked. Although we did pay $15 drinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that was like, I paid Vegas, like two, though. that was like 30 bucks right there. So I spent like 90 bucks. Plus I bought the hoodie. Oh yeah. I bought the thing so hoodie. Fucking dope, I love though. that hoodie. That's one of my favorites now. I, I want to have several hoodies, of course. But The yeah. hoodie's dope. It's <laughs> a good hoodie. I almost bought it too, but. But guys, if you get a chance, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything like that, but John is one of the greater, um, you know, producers and 
maestros for fucking horror movies. If you are appreciated in any respect, I think you owe it to yourself. And if you appreciate his music in any of the movies that he's done, then you owe it to yourself to at least go see it. It is worth every penny. I enjoyed it. Uh, if you can get there early, they do sell some of the LPs from the anthology. And John Carpenter signs it. It was like 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah, it was insane. It might be cheaper L- other places. I don't know what the joint charge is because they probably charge like 20% or 30% or something like that. Yeah. It's usually how it goes. Website. But yeah, guys, go if you can. But to honor John Carpenter and the show that we enjoyed so much at the, at the Hard Rock Cafe, The Joint, we decided to talk about two movies So we're going to be talking about our body bags and Prince of Darkness now. And that's going to be for our flesh and potatoes this Thursday. So hang tight. We're going to do that right now. Alright guys, and we are back for our flesh and potatoes of our segment we are calling Carpenter Cuts. So we're going to go into that right now. We're going to kick it off with Body Bags. Alright, now Body Bags came out in 1993, so it was part of the uh, 90s. Uh, there's a pretty interesting story on about how this movie came about. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but let's just say it was considered a TV movie that Showtime picked up. The story goes, a creepy-looking coroner introduces three different horror tales involving his current work of cadavers in body bags. (laughs) So it consists of three shorts, technically. It's an anthology. You got the gas station, hair, with both of those have been done by Carpenter, and then the movie The Eye with Toby Hooper as the director. Although it says that a lot of a lot of people were involved in directing, so it's a little confusing. But from my understanding, the first two are John Carpenter's, and, and the, the last one, the eye, is Toby Hooper. Right. There's a lot of cameos in this movie that uh, kind of made it a big deal because John Carpenter was like, "Hey, we got the access to these guys. Let's fucking put them in this fucking show." Uh, there's people, directors like Wes Craven, Sam Raimi, Roger Corman, Toby Hooper. John Carpenter, all of them are in this movie as actors. In fact, John Carpenter does the main performance as the coroner in between the segments, before, after, middle, in between, everything. So it's pretty interesting to see, and we'll get into more some of the trivia on that a little bit, in a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) This was produced also by John Carpenter, Dan Angel, and Sandy King, who have also worked on many Carpenter films. Uh, I believe Dan Angel's actually worked on a lot of TVD productions and stuff, so this was a little bit newer to him, I think. Sandy was kind of, uh, she was brought on because she's been doing it for a long time, so they've worked together many times. The music was done by John Carpenter himself and Jim Lang. Practical effects were done by KNB, of course, Robert Kurtzman, Greg Nicotero, and Howard Berger. So they did this, and they even Greg Nicotero stars in this movie as well. Not stars, but he does a cameo in this movie as well during the hair segment. (laughs) There's quite a few actors in here. I'm just going to kind of shoot through them because I don't want to get too into it. There's too many to list. So if you don't know these names, I urge you to check out the movies that they've made because they've done a lot. You got Tom Arnold, Robert Carradine, 
Peter Jason, who has been in a lot of Carpenter movies. He was lot, in Prince of yeah. Darkness. Uh, he was also in In the Mouth of Madness. Carpenter loved this guy, and I can see why, because he's fucking good. Uh, he's a character. Molly Cheek, David Naughton, George Buck motherfucking Flowers, who I <laughs> fucking love. And apparently George uh, has been in a lot of Carpenter films as well. I believe he was a, he was one of the bums in uh, Prince of Darkness as well. Uncredited, I think, but... Also, Stacy Keach, if you guys remember us talking about our more ro- mo robots, mo problems. Stacy Keach. He was the fucking mullet-wearing fucking weird-eyed guy in fucking class of 1995. <laughs> was it 99? 99. 99, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but the movie came out in 95, right? <laughs> or something like that. I believe you're correct, yeah. Uh, David Warner, he's in this movie. He was also in some Carpenter films. Uh, they also have Kim Alexis, Greg Nicotero, Deborah Harry. Uh, or Debbie, Debbie Harry. Harry. Yeah. But it's Deborah at the time. Also, Mark Hamill from Star Wars. Twiggy. Roger Corman was in this. Charles Napier. So many fucking people in this movie. But let me ask you, Brittany, what did you think of this anthology? Oh, I had so much fun with this. I can't even tell you. Like, Yeah? I, you really yeah. liked it? I did. I, I really did. Like, some segments were better than others, I feel like. But I did really enjoy it. It was It was fun. It was different. It was kind of like their own take on like Tales from the Crypt or right. Tales from the Dark Side or Elvira or whatever. For the nineties. Yeah. yeah, it was their own kind of version of those anthology type series. Um but I mean in for the time, pretty original ideas. You know, the 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 final one which was I can't what was the name of it specifically? The Eye. The Eye. That mm-hmm. was what it was called, right? Okay, yeah. I mean that's that kind of story's been done like a million yeah, over. they actually made a movie about it. They did with what's her an, name in it. Uh, and it was Asian terrible. Flick. Yeah. Oh no, they did an American. They, version they did too. an American version of it too. Yeah, though, but it was, it was awful. originally it Jennifer Garner or whatever. It was either Korean or fucking Japanese. Yeah, or which something. the original is like far superior. to Probably. The, yeah, she United sees States ghosts version. basically it's from the eye. But yeah. terrible. Um. Anyway. Cool stories, cool concepts. I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than I thought I was going to, but I yeah. I felt like Carpenter's character in the in-between segments and the beginning segments, like the introductory parts to it or whatever. Like, right. He was hilarious. And he was like, you almost like waited to see him. To see him. Yeah. So it was really cool. This isn't at the top of my list of anthologies to watch. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, it, it's something I appreciate, but it's not something I want to rush out to get necessarily. Like, I do like the parts with John, you know, Carpenter playing the corner. I thought those were fun. Uh, sometimes a little forced, but, you know, he's not an actor, and I think he did a pretty damn good job. He did. Uh, for somebody that's never done it. But it's essentially the anthology, like you said, kind of very much like the Crypt, Crypt Keeper for the Tales from the Crypt. Each of the bodies that they have in the morgue that he goes over is a story. So it's kind of interesting. Like, they kind of connect everything with that interweaving story with John Carpenter, which I liked. Most of the stories, I think, are kind of pretty tame. Yeah. In comparison to other anthologies that I've seen, uh, it didn't have a lot of bite to it, but it's more of like family oriented, in my opinion. It uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It's one of those things that, you know, you're either a fan or you don't, or you're not a fan. I enjoyed them, but they weren't like overly amazing to me, you know, mostly just funny with a lot of cameos mm-hmm. and just kind of unique in that sense. So, but I I still like it. I still remember it. It's not a movie that I go, oh, I'll never watch that again. I'll definitely revisit this one every few years or so, you know, 
just just to watch but it's definitely not it's not at the top of my anthology list <laughs> so there's I agree. some there's some pretty interesting stuff about this film though that I think uh, maybe some people may or may not know uh, as I had mentioned earlier Showtime mm-hmm. did ask to make this or well, they didn't start the idea it was r- something that was written for John Carpenter and Sandy King was the person who would if if it was something that John Carpenter wouldn't like, they would give it to Sandy King mm-hmm. so that she could turn it into gold to John Carpenter. Because if they thought he would like it, then they would just take it directly to him. But Sandy was like the, the buffer. And so this is one of the ones that got kicked. The idea got kicked to her. And originally, they had pitched this as a sort of Tales from the Crypts show on Showtime. And after they made like, Two of the episodes, Showtime just kind of canned it and said, we'll just make an anthology TV movie out of it. Mm -hmm. And that was that. Um, So it never happened. John Carpenter actually even said that he didn't even really like anthologies. He never has. So he wasn't very fond of the idea to make into a movie. So he thought, well, hey, you know, we could do this as a TV thing. No problem. Like, I'm cool with that at the time. Mm -hmm. Now TV is like so big. You know what I mean? It's not like the schlocky TV show stuff anymore. Like, they actually dig deep into the stories now. So, you know, Stacey Keach, who we were talking about with the crazy eyes, Mm -hmm. famous actor in the 80s and 90s and stuff. He was actually in Up in Smoke. He's like the officer. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a lot of shit. Yeah, he's in some of those movies, but he's he's really over the top kind of crazy guy. Uh, he said he related to the story of the, the hair, which is called hair, because he was losing his hair and he was always very self-conscious of losing his hair. He even looked into implants at the time, which was kind of new and brand new before this movie came out. So he was like, oh, I can totally relate to this. But he was like, you know, I would never do the implants, though. He was like, I would rather just wear a hair piece if I was going to do that. So I thought it was kind of interesting to know that about him a little bit. So he liked the story. He thought it'd be fun to do. You can kind of feel that almost like he had like a personal connection to the kind of the, the idea behind the story. It's pretty silly, but it's also one of the funniest it's of the stories. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Did and you a cool twist? Yeah. Did you know that they asked Clive Barker to be in the movie as well? No, but he wasn't able to make it. I know. Which would have been kind of interesting to see. It would have been in. awesome. Yeah. They thought, well, hey, we could throw all these people in there. I I don't think it's as strong as people maybe give it credit, but I still like it. I agree with you on that one. Like it, it's really not. It's like, a deep cut for those who are looking for something. You've got to be a fan of the people involved in order to really appreciate really, it. I exactly. Think. And I feel like I I am, so I liked it more than most people. But there's a lot of fan or appreciate it more than a lot of people could. But yeah, I mean, for it's pretty basic storytelling and it's not really anything different or anything unique by any means but a lot of really great actors that they pulled together to do it um you got mark hamill and fucking twiggy and everybody that was involved in this movie got k and b uh rick barger did carpenter's makeup for like three hours it took him three yeah three fucking hours right like what the fuck <laughs> which is insane john said that old. It, he said that it, part of the thing about the makeup was is it made him feel more comfortable about acting oh i absolutely believe that yeah because he was like really nervous about it oh yeah and he was like fuck dude like i don't know I'm what a, i'm doing i'm a completely different person when i put a bunch of crazy fucking makeup on yeah he didn't need to worry about it anymore exactly so he could like imbibe the yeah 
all fucks go out the window. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't look like it would take three hours, but I can totally see. Like I, when I saw it took that long to get him into character, I'm just like, why? Yeah, I know. Right. That would take me like 30 minutes. Um, that's silly. Yeah. I thought it was (laughs) was more than it should have been. But but back in that, it's maybe they're faster these days. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways to go around it and makeup is a million times better than it used to be so oh i'm sure it's part of it too um the first segment was the gas station and you hear the anchor man in the movie say a body was found in haddonfield yeah the little nod to halloween yeah totally <laughs> it was super cute well he can get away with that because it's his shit he can exactly. do whatever the fuck he wants you know it's a little nod to one of his biggest movies of all time That's right <laughs> um little easter eggs there was a lot of easter eggs there was, in there there was you know, like Sam Raimi's in the first one. He's the dead guy in the fucking spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> he's the dead Whoops. guy in the in the fucking storage, and then the the employee of the month, the guy from Oh yeah, Revenge of the Nerds is like the the guy who the actual Billy. Yeah, what was his name Billy. I thought that was really cool. Um, I don't know. There was there's more stuff about the movie that I really liked, but I think there was just a lot of really creative people involved in it. There so was. there is there is some sort of nostalgia to that. If you're a fan of the horror genre and you really like the people that do this, this is something that you're gonna want to see. Is it gonna blow your fucking mind? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, it's it's still a good movie if you are a deep cut horror fan like maybe we are so it's something that you might you know want to keep if you're a big fan if you're just like a fan that's like i have to really love it to buy it or want to own it or watch it a bunch of times might not be for you i think overall it's probably like a six i don't know what do you I'd think? probably give it like a six and a half yeah just because of everyone that's involved everybody that's involved like all the creative minds that are involved in it and that make it you know a little bit unique yeah um in its own way and then for me it's just carpenter's role in the whole thing oh yeah like i loved him more than anything really cool like it needed that well and seeing mark hamill too like that is awesome it's really weird because now he's got fucking yeah and twiggy too Mark hamill and twiggy i'm just like come on like that's so fucking cool like and not even just the fact that they're in it that makes that segment my favorite yeah of all of them it's just that was even though it's not a very unique or or whatever story it was the most well done and well thought out, I felt like. Yeah, it definitely crescendos into the better one. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, yeah. they definitely ended it with the strongest I think so. Story. I think I think it, it just has a lot more going on in it. It does. <laughs> Do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Well, any of my favorite scenes are, I mean, sorry, but they're any part with John Carpenter's little weird corner zombie character. Just, it... Well, yeah, to me. he's drinking formaldehyde all the time. Exactly, and that's like that's like his like whiskey, and, and my or my whiskey is his formaldehyde. But yeah, you and know, he's like, pouring it in a martini glass. His, yeah, and he has the eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're a highball. You like it was super cute and super cheesy and just corny as fuck, but it was hilarious in its own way, and it it had its own little nods. You know, to Elvira and and to the crypt keeper for totally the crypt. Yeah. and you know it tongue in cheek tongue in cheek bullshit, yeah. bullshit that yeah. I loved. You know, and it was so nineties. A lot of lot of fucking puns. Oh, a ton! Like so many fucking innuendos, like, yeah. so many sexual innuendos, and just like little things here and there, and little things you have to pay attention to and like to catch. And it was it was great. Yeah, and um, if you guys want to know why. If you didn't listen to Monday's episode where we talk about making the Uncle John's formaldehyde 
You should try that shot. Don't uh, do it. Yeah, do it. Don't do it. Do it. But yeah, you can check that you out. You like old lady vagina. But that's why we we made that because of this that part in the movie. One of my one of my all time favorite things though in the segments that he was in was when he pulls the the big breasted yes, chick out which of which was provided by Ron Jeremy. Right, so crazy. Interestingly right? enough, which I thought was hilarious. I'm sorry if I no, like, yeah, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I stole that moment from you. No, 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 not that, at all. <laughs> yeah, Ron I, Jeremy <laughs> gave like there was a big breasted woman that he's pulling out of the locker, the like body locker. And her boobs hit the fucking top. She, she won't come out. Yeah. yeah, she won't come out, so he has to pull extra harder. And it's like, obviously, these drawers were built before breast implants became so popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking died. I hilarious. thought it was stupid silly, though. It was stupid silly, but it was, like, good stupid silly. It wasn't yeah. stupid stupid silly. Like, yeah. it was still funny enough to, like, make you appreciate it, but not roll your eyes and be annoyed. Right. You know, I don't know. It was good 90s humor. Do you have a, a favorite scene for the first segment at all, or in- for the first and um the oh my god I like the Buck Flowers George Buck Flowers part yeah where she's like stuck outside and the guy comes up behind her I need the bathroom key yeah and he, <laughs> she's like freaking out she was like oh my god there's a homeless guy here yeah no my actual favorite scene from that though is um when she crushes him with the car but that's actually my favorite like climactic moment but that is the climactic moment in right that entire part that part was cut actually scene. um but that's fucking cool because it's one of the most graphic ones of all of the three right honestly it's, it's really not but i mean it's just like this fucking river of blood that like shoots out of him and it's ridiculously awesome but there are so many things that i had problems with with that idea Same. of that story like i'm just like this is stupid yeah there is some pretty why major would you flaws. like when she first runs and goes into that car that's on the fucking electronic jack why and why is that where you would go you fucking idiot and because, it's a truck why would it have crushed him yeah it's not even like there's still space like, yeah once it's the not like a regular car ground, yeah there's still all this space before it would actually crush him like right. if it's a low rider that makes sense but it's not it's a truck full-on fucking farmer truck like that right. doesn't make any sense to me you can but, get under a truck it's totally fine yeah i could fit under there even at, especially like, if you're fit you know what i mean like right. that guy's even, fine even at my fattest form i could still fit under that fucking truck <laughs> like and not get crushed like it just is silly I don't know. That chick was gorgeous, so I did like staring at her in her butt the whole time. <laughs> she was super cute. Also, but that, it was a cool. But what I liked about that was that it was most realistic, probably okay. Okay. of the three. Oh yeah, it wasn't as far out there. Um, because that's something that could absolutely fucking happen, right? Like the idea behind the story is definitely something that could happen. It was a serial killer, like it's more based in reality. Ex- yeah, exactly. And so it was, it was intriguing. But I could, I knew. The second it started, I figured it out. Yeah. So, I have like three three of my shitty. favorite scenes from this entire movie are from the second uh, the entry. The hair. Oh, I loved the, it. Well, yeah, it's called hair. hair yeah. yeah. I love that one. It's it That has that like, shit the made coolest me laugh. twist. No, it was fucking hilarious from start to finish. Like, it's my favorite strictly because of entertainment value. Yeah. Um, But the twist at the end of it, I didn't really see coming. Right. So I, that's why I was... I, I liked it as much as I did. It's because it wasn't pre- as predictable as the others. Okay. Work. He was the guy that, uh, by the way, that's the guy from Waxwork. So it's just interesting, you know. One of my. The, the doctor? Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of scenes, and they're just weird. Some of these are really obligatory, but I'm going to shoot through three of these um, that I think are really funny. 
and then you can shoot in. But hair, the second segment, there was a part where Greg Nicotero from KMB Practical Effects, Stacy Keach sees before he gets his hair done, because essentially the story is this guy's losing his hair and he doesn't want to lose it. He's really obsessed with it. He tries all these creams and sprays and paints his fucking head and shit, which that was pretty funny, too. That was hilarious. But he finds a doctor who can give him a full head of hair. And one of the scenes, they show Greg Nicotero walking with long hair because he has long hair. He always has. He's got a full head of hair. And they put him in the movie. And I just thought it was really funny because he looks kind of like a rock star and he's he so like cute. swings his hair out, you know? Yeah, it was so <laughs> glorious. Like, I was like, yeah, you get that, Gray Nicotero. Like, I'm into it. <laughs> but before they do that, when he sees that, he, um, Stacy Keach's character, who wants to get his hair done, tries this spray enamel that he sprays on his head and he thinks it's like okay. And his girlfriend that he's seeing at the time comes over to his house and he's just smiling like hey check out like i look good right i feel good and he she's like did you paint your Who head painted your head yeah. <laughs> she kisses him on the head though and she has black shit all over her face and fucking even stacy keach is laughing and i just i couldn't help but laugh like, you have shit all over your face <laughs> she's just not happy about it she's really upset oh, about it so mad She's like, just go natural. You you look like a strong gentleman. But of course... When he gets the full head of fucking Fabio, I can't believe it's yeah, not butter fa- hair. Yeah, dude. Motherfucker has a fucking mane. He calls it... What does he yeah, call, he calls it a mane? Glorious. No, what is the, the, the haircut? Because he goes through all these different Oh, the styles. stallion. The stallion. The stallion. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking retarded. It was fantastic. <laughs> He looks so... I've never thought Stacey Keach was attractive. Until that moment. Until he had stallion hair. And right. then I was into it. So <laughs> I get why his fucking 20-year-old girlfriend wanted to jump his bones immediately. I was like, I understand. <laughs> do, do you have any other favorite scenes from that? From from hair? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> and not because it it was prolific by any means, because it's not. Right. I just love how like nonchalantly like this wasn't addressed. Like, when he comes in to confront the doctor, after he starts getting all the weird patches and he notices the worm-type, like, weird shit growing out of his face and he's turning into this, like, wolfman thing, he comes in and the doctor's talking to him and then he goes, well, look at this, and he, like, Cuts his arm. grabs his arm and takes the scalpel and slices him from fucking, like, elbow <laughs> to wrist. He's like, huh? And he's like, huh? Like, yeah. And that's it. That's, like, that's it didn't the, hurt him. That's the discussion about it was him just going, oh. And then you see all these like weird little worms, like, like little snakes, making fucking prehistoric like dinosaur sounds. It's hilarious, <laughs> but like that—that's it. That was that was the discussion. He doesn't even it. scream. I thought it he was, just kind of no. Whimpers. He just goes. Uh-huh. Like yeah. it wasn't even like you'd have to really turn the volume up to listen for to hear <laughs> a reaction from oh. him. Oh, it's so weird, but. <laughs> um yeah that shit oh and i also love how much the nurse is like trying to fuck him like prior to that when they're Deborah helping harry. him choose yeah debbie harry like when they're trying to choose like the hairstyle i'm like this bitch is hilarious yeah <laughs> like, the whole time i fucking love it um uh, but that that one's my favorite like i said just for sheer entertainment value it's funny from start to finish Okay. Um, but then it has a really cool fucking twist at the end of it, which I don't want to ruin for anybody who hasn't seen it because I feel like they should watch it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't want to ruin it for you. The last, it, it didn't at all. Like I didn't think that was where it was going. The so last cool. segment's got a lot more going on for it. There's a lot more overacting and 
like stuff going on. Um, Mark Hamill stars in it. Overacting. Mark Hamill's like Mark Hamill a baseball player, and he plays offender. like a like a redneck kind of guy who's a baseball player. Super annoying. He gets he he's driving the car late at night. He gets into an accident. He's a successful baseball player. Minor league. Minor league. Yeah, but he's going to be into. The, to he's the about to hit the big leagues, <laughs> and uh, he crashes his car, and a piece of a glass goes into his right eye, and he's wakes up in the hospital, and they're like, "Hey, we're really sorry to tell you." Your eye's gone, and they're like, he's like, no. <laughs> this is how I see the ball with this eye, and I'm like, oh my god, calm down. Right, and then Roger Corman and this other famous actor, Yager, I can't remember his name, he comes in, and they're like, yeah, we can fix your eye if you want. <laughs> uh, you know, this guy over here, he's done a lot of surgeries on stuff. So he's like, fuck yeah, I want, if there's a chance I can see you again, I want to be a baseball star. This is what I do. You know, I got to do it. So they talk, they have this conversation. He gets his eye replant from a fucking dead person, apparently. And asks no questions. Doesn't ask any questions about any of it. And lo and behold, it it's- comes to fruition. That the eye is from murder, who was killed in a fry in a fucking electric chair it's from a crazy serial killer. And one of the first here's the thing that really bothers me though, just statistically, if you're in the electric chair, by the way, your eyes are the first thing to go. Yeah, it's gonna they pop, pop out like of your balloons. fucking eye. That's why they put those shields in front of your eyes so your eyes don't pop. Yeah. So it's really weird that they chose to use no the eye. gas chamber. Oh, that's right. He wasn't electrocuted. He was gas chamber. That's what I was thinking right before, though. I was like, wait. Yeah. No, I I thought the same thing. And then I was like, hang on, wait. No, it was gas chamber. Yeah. So. Because I think they wanted to do electrocution. And then they were like, wait. Totally forgot about that. But that was my train of thought was. For sure. When they started to think about it. And I was like, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck Uh, you. (laughs) I was like, don't do this to me. That's historically inaccurate. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I just want to tell one of my favorite scenes just because I think it's really funny. Do it. It's not really my favorite scene. It's more like, oh, what are you showing me kind of scenes, which is the sex scene. Yeah, oh, my God. Me too. <laughs> was kind of nasty. It was so uncomfortable. It's like, especially in 1080p, first of all, <laughs> like all their flesh flaps were all like flip flapping around on your eyes. Know. Like... It All was, over your fucking your eyelids and shit. I got wet. Like yeah. I felt like, <laughs> like Jesus. No, not like me. Like not like my vagina got oh, wet. Oh, I like, was I, like I felt, Jesus I felt Christ, like I was, Brittany. I felt like I was getting fucking spittled on the whole time. Like the juices were flowing. Mark Hamill like, squirts in your eye. It's almost like uh, it's like five D. Yeah, it was literally five D. This movie's in five D. Smellorama. It was awful. Well, it was smell-a-vision, fucking feel-a-vision, and it made me super <laughs> uncomfortable the whole time. And I'm like, am I watching porn? Is, oh am God, I watching porn? Like Kentucky porn? Fried Movie. I can see your fucking bits and your niblets, and what the fuck? <laughs> I could... I, <laughs> what the I fuck? Could, I couldn't help not look, though. I couldn't either. No, like, I, I rewound that shit. And, did like, you really? I, did, I didn't do I was that. Like, I'm pretty sure I can fucking see some bits and pieces here. And yeah. This is like... I'm not... All right. I wouldn't call it scrum diddly ums. It's no. more like... Uncomfortably uncomfortable. Yeah, uncomfortably uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah like it looked it like vagina, like straight up. I don't pussy know. Pussy juice. Yeah. Maybe it was a fake vagina though. Maybe it had a fake. Probably because I can't see pussy. showing her what fucking actual that? pussy. Prosta pussy. Prost. No, it's called something. It's like a merca. Merkin. Is that what it is? No, well, a merkin's a male one. Um, no, the merkin's the like 
toupee for the vagina. Oh, it was a clam toupee. <laughs> Woo! Get Clamer- a little dizzy off that one. Clamerkin. A Clamerkin. <laughs> All right. So, did, did you have any other non-flesh flip flappy fucking moments in the movie? <laughs> flesh flip flappy. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you have anything else? No. Okay. So no, no. I, I did like that segment probably the best out of the three. Um. Yeah, it, it definitely has a lot more going like it, on for it, but the the second one's probably my favorite. The second one's the funniest, by yeah. all means, but the third one I felt like was the most well thought out of the three. Okay, yeah, despite, no, no, it, it's more despite legit, Despite the weird, juicy, and sex scene. Yeah, sorry, John. No I know, offense. but thanks, Toby, the late great yeah, Toby Yeah, are you going to argue with us? Toby's the late great. The you late know? great. You're still alive, John Carpenter. You can't argue with us on this, <laughs> but no, I don't know. Like, I... I did like, I liked the scene when he's first starting to realize that shit's like getting weird for him. Going crazy. He's looking out the window and the fucking topless chick pops out of the ground. Right. That was pretty cool. Right. She also had nice boobs. I don't remember that. There was too much dirt. Well, you don't I, remember her nice boobs? First of all, really I, nice I rented it from the Microsoft store oh. on my Xbox. Oh. But you saw the 1080p fucking... Merkin pussy? No. I, <laughs> that part was in clear, like, no pixelation, like, full-on flip-flashing, flippity-flap, 1080p flapping, flip-flaps all over my flip-flappy lips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. You said flip flapping ju- like eighteen I, different ways. Flip <laughs> flap just sounds disgusting. But the, the best part is that you just like recircle back to flip flap. Yeah, you just flip-flap. set it eighteen different directions. Yeah, it's the flip flap. But it was still flip flap <laughs> every way and shape and form of the word. It was flip flap. Well, words. that's what it looked flip-flap. like. It just looked like a jumbled mess but of flip flaps. Like switched literally eighteen different directions. Yeah, flip flaps. I didn't think you could come up with 18 different words for flip-flaps, but that was great. No, but what happened was, was when I rented it, it kept dropping down to below 480p. Oh, well. Like, pixelated as fuck to 720, 480, 1080p, and I had to fucking get my money back because, like, shit was fucking up. It was pissing me off. It was distracting Yeah, me. well, Dirt Nips has ni- nice boobs, so <laughs> you can just take that from me. Well, some good tits. I think that's pretty much all we need to say about that movie. If you guys are interested into anthologies, it's definitely something for the fans to check out. That's for sure. Um, not the one of the best anthologies, in my opinion. No, but it's worth it. Yeah, some people Give love it watch. this. It's fucking funny. You'll thank us later, or yeah. you won't. All right, so we have another movie to talk about. What is that movie, Brittany? We do. It is a little fucking him jam, or Jim jam, or fucking whatever. It's a little flick called Prince of Darkness, which was released in 1987. Booyah. Which Alex was 30. I'm just kidding. What, what the fuck? <laughs> I was 10. <laughs> Wait, I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie was directed and written by John Carpenter, but this was actually his first movie that he took credit for as Martin Quartermass. Oh, I didn't know that part. Interestingly enough, mm. if you look at the like the credits and watch what it's written or who it's written by, it's Martin Quartermass, which is one of two of the weird like alternate identities that he goes by for shit that he writes. Which I don't understand why he does it, but man, a lot of people do that. A lot of a lot of writers so they can get away with shit pretty like much Michelle Silverstein and blah 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 like a million other people but anyways um the music was obviously done by John Carpenter and also Alan Howarth 
Howarth? Howarth? Sounds about right. I'm going to say ho, because ho. Um, Alan also did movies such as Halloween 2, 3, 4, 5, Curse, etc., etc. Probably every Halloween film except for the original. Right. Um, he also did Big Trouble in Little China. Hmm. And a lot of other shit. Um, this stars my lovely, lovely love, Donald Pleasance. Yes. Who I... Who, of course, John Carpenter loves, apparently. He does, because he uses him in many films. Actually, a lot of people that are in this movie, this was either the first of many John Carpenter films that he was going that they worked on with him, um, or just one of many. I thought um, he did a good priest, too. He he is, plays a great priest, and the, the role of the priest was actually written specifically for him. Um, John Carpenter wrote three roles in particular for specific actors for this movie because of his enjoyable experiences with working with them on prior films, which I thought was really interesting. But if you're not familiar with Donald Pleasance, shame on you, first of all, but he's obviously Loomis in Halloween. He was also in Escape from New York and Spectres. It also stars Peter Jason, who played Dr. Lahey? Leahy? Leahy, I think Leahy? Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is when the whiskey um, interrupts how well I pronounce things. So sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> and there was other people. Peter Jason is another actor that John Carpenter loved and, and right. worked very very closely with. He was in, in His the Mouth harem of Madness, of and Mortal Kombat, um, the Karate Kid. He's in a million fucking movies and he's incredible. Um, also has Jameson Parker. Oh my god, he was in fucking Karate Kid. Yes, he was. Holy shit, I totally didn't think about that. <laughs> right? He's a fucking Karate Kid. Also has Jameson Parker, who plays Brian Marsh, who is in my one of my personal favorites, The Bell Jar. Um, no clue. Jack, oh Jesus, get familiar. Um, Jack. You ever was... seen The Plate Wing? No. Neither have I. You fucking dig. <laughs> um... Victor Wong is Professor Barak, Barak or whatever, who is probably most well known for his role in Big Trouble in Little China. Fuck yeah. Um, which is one of John Carpenter's most underrated fucking films, in my opinion. It's incredible. And it, it bombed, bombed in the box office. This yeah. is one of his only, if not biggest, bombs at the box office. Prince or no, no, no. Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know if it's the biggest, but it is it's one uh, of it, the it biggest. bomb, but it has made its money back more than any of the oh, other with movies. The, the did. cult following, for yeah. sure. But in its release, mm, it's like old Jack Burton used to say. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> um, he's also in Tremors, which is notable to me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's I the store owner. I love Tremors. So it also has Lisa Blount, who plays Catherine, um, who is not in a whole lot of stuff, but a couple cuts that you guys might know her from is in What Waits Below or Blind Fury. Susan, I'm going to go through this really quickly because there's a lot of really notable people in here. Yeah, sure. I don't want to dwell a whole lot of time into it. Um, Susan Blanchard, who played Kelly, the only reason why I credited her is because she's fantastic and the whole progression of her character is fucking phenomenal, but she is also in They Live. Uh-huh. Um, she Dennis, is, that's right. I remember Dennis that. Dunn, who plays Walter, who is also in Big Trouble in Little China, Year of the Dragon and The Last Emperor. Um, another person that was brought back multiple times in multiple John Carpenter films. Mm -hmm. um, and then last but not least, even though he has kind of a small, subtle little role in this, it's not really subtle because you can tell who he is from the beginning, but it also stars Mr. Alice Cooper, right. who plays the street schizo. Right. And I don't feel like I need to say anything else that Alice Cooper has done because if you don't know who Alice <laughs> Cooper is, you need to stop listening. <laughs> um, I'm not a or big go fan listen to him, of least. his music by any means, but he yeah. is an awesome person. He's an icon. Incredible fucking human, and for those of you who live in Arizona, you've probably at least met him once, and he's really cool. I haven't. Anyways, this film had a um, about estimated $3 million budget, 
Right. Which is pretty low. Yeah. I feel like, especially for a horror film with the amount of um, heavy hitting actors that it had. Sure. At that time. Um, but it did gross 14 million in the United States. Almost 15. Almost yeah. 15 over time. But in its opening weekend, it grossed 4.6 mil. So it made its money back in folds. Right. Opening weekend. Just in the United States. So yeah. that's pretty fucking tits. Um, there's a lot of really cool, fun, interesting facts about this movie that I can like just really delve into. But what were your thoughts in particular about this film? Well, I've seen this movie uh, quite a few times. It's not the top of my list of Carpenter films, but I will say every time I watch it, I find a little bit more appreciation for it yeah I think. it's I, I definitely feel like it's more of an acquired taste like once you get older yeah um there's quite a bit of history to this that i want to jump and step on your toes about um that i can divulge about this go for it um, i'm sure we probably have very different information so. okay well first of all like we were talking about big trouble in little china was mm-hmm. the movie that he did before this movie mm-hmm. it bombed and it yes. bombed hard and so he was like, fuck it. I'm going to make my own fucking goddamn movie. I'm going to fucking make an independent film with my full control over it. And I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. And at the time, he was super obsessed with subatomic particles and what is known as quantum uncertainty, mm-hmm. which is now like quantum mechanics evolved into like quantum theory and all this other fucking shit. Uh, but what he essentially tried to do that I really fucking adore is try to take science and religion and mash it into one in a way. And I'm not talking Scientology here, guys. <laughs> right. But the fact that he tried to do the two in this movie and whether it answers all your questions or not, a lot of people get upset with it. Like at the time when this movie came out, a lot of people were upset. Oh, fuck, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. I don't understand. It leaves it open to you. And John Carpenter has even admitted fully that he doesn't even understand the full story, but he wanted to make something that would make you think a little bit and open your head to think in a different way than any other movie has. And the fact that it delves into science and religion and Satan and hell and all this other shit and try to validate it in a way is is a different spin than just like something that's just a religious movie or just a science movie. It's It's somewhere in the middle, and I think that that in particular is super interesting and unique. He pays a lot of homage to a lot of fucking movies and uh, books. He even calls the Catholic Order of the Brotherhood of Sleep, Mm -hmm. which is actually a classic H.P. Lovecraft sort of thing. It's it's like briefly mentioned in some of the stories where they talk about the Brotherhood of Sleep. Very briefly. It's not a huge thing, but it is interesting, Um, at least from what I've read. I don't know on his full works, because I still haven't finished everything that H.P. Lovecraft has ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not insanely graphic by any means, but it's still pretty fucking amazing with the the stuff that they did. It's super fucking creative, and it really shows you just, you know, how John Carpenter, if you let him do his own thing, he'll come up with some fucking pretty crazy shit, which I, I really appreciate. This is one of my most, his most underrated films to me, is The Prince of Darkness, because there is so many notes of, like, different types of horror movies in this, and different types of thought and things. Like, I, I, I get, sometimes I get, like, the vibe of Lucio Fulci in this movie. Absolutely. Um, Just, like, some of the creatures, like, the, the I don't know how to explain it. Well, the, his entire take on, like, the quote-unquote zombies that they turn into is very Fulci-esque. Right. Which I 
loved and appreciated about it. Like he he kept it very more like a little bit more along the lines of a like hive minded sure zombie. Well, it's like it's a physical manifestation of Satan, right? Or the Antichrist, which is technically I don't right. Know, it's really fuck. Well, it's technically like the son of yeah of the anti the anti-god. Yeah, and then fast forward to later on in in the well, film where they're trying to summon. Satan. Right. And they talk himself. about it though. They talk about that the Antichrist or the of the son of the anti god crash landed here on Earth millions of years ago, like well over seven million. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, you know, however many years later, like millions of years later, somehow this order of the sleep uh has somehow captured it. It's not a creature, guys. It's liquid. It's a green sludge. liquid sludge. Yeah. Which looks like a fucking lava lamp, which it technically it was. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the cool thing is, is that it crash landed here millions of years ago. So in a way, it's almost like the thing. Uh, but, yeah. But also, like, if you've ever read Dean R. Kuntz, mm-hmm. uh, Phantoms, it's very much like that combined together. Yeah, but it's in its own, like, little realm. It's like some creature that is, like, worshipped and sort of thing. I don't know. I just really like that. It, it's It's super cool to me. I like that they try to bridge the gap between religion and science. I agree. I thought that was a noble attempt. Whether they did well, it successfully or not, that's like for some like crazy ass fucking theologian that could fucking come up with something like that. What I appreciated probably so much about this was that this was his return to horror after he did Starman and Big Trouble in Little China. Right. You know, this was his big fucking comeback, but he didn't make it easy on himself. Which is what I really appreciated about it is that he went with complex ideas and took and played around with the whole religion and science concept yeah. and the quantum mechanics and whatever the fuck he was doing and fucking ran with it and didn't shy away from it. And they shot this fucking movie in a little over 30 days. Right. Which is insane. Yeah. Like when you really look at this and, and try and dissect it down to little bits and pieces and you think that this took a month for them to film, that's nuts. Yeah, they did a good job, I think. They did a great job. Like I, I also feel like this is one of his most underrated fucking movies. Yeah. Like I'm, as much as I love Halloween and I love the thing, which are two of my favorite carpenter films of all sure, time. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like that's almost everybody's favorite carpenter films. But this is up there in my top because well, Halloween it started is, it all. It did. It absolutely did. And you can't not love Halloween. You yeah. can't. I, you it, don't have to like the franchise, but you, no, but you, you have, have to, to like love the, the original. First one. Yeah. <laughs> you have to love the original. And uh, God, if you fucking don't, then you don't understand it. No, it's, I don't think you it's don't. that you're, you're bad or something. I just think you just don't you realize. Don't you don't realize that, that that Halloween is like the Beatles of music. Right. And that's like exactly how, how, how I feel. It. If you don't, you don't have to love it. But if you can't appreciate Halloween and the, everything behind that, then you don't understand it. Right. You just don't get it. Just it just changed everything. It did. It absolutely fucking did. And I, if you have a different opinion about that, I want to hear it. So chime off in our fucking comments and let us know and give us that yeah, fucking and Brittany opinion. Yeah, Brittany will beat the shit Because I will probably kill you. <laughs> but no, I know I do sound like I'm going to fucking kick your ass, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. But... No, 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 I already. One of the things that I really liked, actually, about the whole idea for this project actually came um, from Deborah Hill, which is a big producer that Carpenter's worked with many, many, many times. Okay. Um, He worked with her on The Fog, Halloween, and a million other fucking projects. This was actually 
a dream that she had that she relayed to him um, of this like dark shadowy figure that was exiting a church that caused her this like overlying feeling Ah. of dread. And she explained this to him and he took this idea and kind of ran with it and wanted to portray this feeling that she felt and he wanted to recreate this completely to an audience through this movie i thought that that was extremely cool i like that this whole idea came from a fucking just weird dream that somebody had you know somebody he was close with that he worked with very closely for a well i think it was it was a piece of it i don't think it was the full story no not at all it just kind of it was like the general idea that well that whole like like, scene where like the people are like you see the shadowy figure in the church it's kind of like a weird little step outside. It's this almost like they dream. live mixed with like... It's uh, fucking cool. The transmissions? Yeah. Like it makes dope. no sense. I don't understand what the transmissions are, but we'll talk about that in but, a little bit. Okay. I was going to say, I'm like, eh, it makes no sense to me because they kind of touch on it a little bit, but it's almost like the the future. Sure. Well, it definitely is. She. They say it's from 1999. Well, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Which is retro to us. 1999. You know. I'm like, oh, the year 1999. I'm like, oh. You know what's weird I think about now is that we're going to be talking about like these movies, like people who talk about 40s and 50s movies. You know what I mean? Right. And we're going to be the old fucks. No. (laughs) Anyway, continue on. (laughs) No, I'm sad. (laughs) I'm fucking old as fuck. I just farted dust and I think it was my rib. Stupid. My my spleen just (laughs) farted out. Actually touching back to... (laughs) My spleen. Speaking of those like weird little broadcasts that they had, right? Um, which were I thought were super fucking cool, by the way. And so did Marilyn Manson because he actually sampled that for the song that he did called "Down in the Park," which is actually originally written by Gary Newman and performed oh, by Gary yeah, Newman. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I- but if you listen to that song, it's sampled in there pretty heavily, and it's really fucking cool that is cool you know you usually catch stuff in this is not a dream this is a transmission from 1999 yeah but how it's done is so cool and how they filmed that whole segment well yeah no they they recorded it they put it on a tv and then filmed the tv right yeah yeah i love that i think i don't know it just it gives it that real like more authentic distant like transmission yeah very simple but a cool effect did you know that this was the second film in the Carpenter Apocalyptic yes, Trilogy. Yes, Alex, because we talked trilogy. about that when we talked about In the Mouth of Madness. Right. Just thought I'd remind everybody. We did everybody. mention that a little bit. Out of the three films that John Carpenter did refer to as his Apocalypse Trilogy. Yeah, it's The Thing, this movie, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of, in the Mouth of Madness. Which are three really good films. Incredible. Yeah. And they are super apocalyptic-y and really fucking... Probably better bookends on the whole on three, world. but uh, it fits. Yeah. The church was actually, in the movie, was an actual abandoned church in Los Angeles. The uh, only true part of the church inside was the lobby. So everything that they shot upstairs in the, like, rooms and shit was on a set. But everything in the lobby was actually from that church from the outside. Also, the scene where Alice Cooper, the homeless man, (laughs) stabs the guy in the chest with the bike... Mm-hmm. Cool thing about that is, is it's an homage to Cooper's live performance, right? And that's actually what got him part of, or agreed to being part of the movie, right? Because John Carpenter's always been a fan of uh, Alice Cooper, and he loved the segment. And in Alice Cooper's live stage performance, he would stab somebody with a microphone stand. 
they would fall on it and it would spike through them or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is an impaling gag. So, yeah. So like Carpenter was like, I love that. You should do that in this movie. So he was like, I'll do it, but I want to be in the movie to actually act in the movie and do it. And then they were like, well, can you do it like as if it's on a bike? Yeah. That's actually the same stand on the bike. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Like, they met at a fucking WrestleMania, first of all, which yeah. I think is hilarious. That is weird. And they had this conversation because um, Alice Cooper's longtime manager was actually, I believe, a producer mm-hmm. um, on this movie. And so he met Carpenter and he expressed his interest in starring in a horror film. Or well, he wanted to get into in films film. in general. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it was kind of like came down to the agreement of, cool, you can be in my movie, but I want to use your impaling gag in one of my scenes or whatever, which is one of the coolest scenes. It's really what kickstarts the entire like chaos pretty much. Yeah, it's the first kill, I think. Um, Interestingly enough, though, he's actually listening to Prince of Darkness by Alice Cooper on his headphones. Oh, I did not know that. Before he gets impaled, which I thought was fucking hilarious. <laughs> so if you go back and watch that or anybody who hasn't picked up on that, like he's actually listening to I'm not a huge Alice fan Cooper's of Alice Prince Cooper. Of I'm not either. Yeah. But I was like, I know that song. So I was like, holy shit, he's actually listened to, listening to Alice Cooper and he's going to get killed by Alice Cooper. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's awesome. I don't remember <laughs> him wearing headphones, though. He was listening to music. Well, did you know that the scene where the girl who gets the bruise on her arm... Oh, yeah. The symbol that forms on her arm is actually from the Blue Oyster Cult... Album cover. Album cover, which is kind of weird. Just another nod towards metal. I love that. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was interesting why they chose that. Also, the mirror scene was actually filled with mercury. That's so cool, Where they dip the hand in, where the girl dips her hand in to ask her father. Or Satan. Yeah, Yeah. basically anti-God. Yeah, how they did that is actually really interesting um, as far as, like, how they ended up getting the mercury. Oh, go ahead. Um, Because it's it's from mechanical pieces that were on the set, cranes and things of that nature that they had. They actually drained it from those pieces on the set to use it for the scenes. I don't know. I thought that was really cool because it, it's how they created that reflective silvery pool and it gave them the exact effect that they were looking for. And I'm yeah, like, holy that's crazy. shit, you fucking drained that's just actual poisonous ass fucking mercury. Yeah. And had a bitch stick her fucking hand in there to fucking do that. I'm like, all right. Well, and then the, <laughs> and then the scene, like, I don't want to spoil it, spoil it. So this is kind of spoilery for those who haven't seen it. But there is a scene where the redhead girl slams into the Antichrist into the mirror and they fall into a pool that was actually shot in a pool in the dark mm-hmm. and... Which is really beautiful. It is. Like, her reaching out to the light as she died, like, disappears. That was cool, yeah. That's a really cool, like, I don't know, just a cool moment to me. I really like that. Um, The original trailer, though, shows, I don't know, like, and this is really spoilery, at the very, very end, the main blonde-haired guy goes to touch a mirror because he realizes he lost the girl of his dreams to this mirror, and is this movie really over, or has it just begun? It's only just, just begun. begun. Anyway, so he touches the mirror, right? And then it goes to black in the in the in the actual cut. But if you watch the old trailers of the movie, something comes breaking through the glass. Sweet. So it was almost like they had a jump scare for it originally at the end, but they thought it was too cheesy, so they cut it out. I can agree with I, that. I, I, but I kind of 
wanted it in. I feel I like it too, but I, mean, I, I like how they left it. They left it really open ended because um, there's actual multiple fan theories. Um, oh yeah, because of the fucking picture is behind him. Right, based off of how it ends, there's like multiple different theories. I'm not going to divulge too much into that, um, but there are at least three to five different like fan theories that have been pretty much like based on the ending and where it could have gone or where it's trying to go or whatever. Well, if you look in the background when he's about to touch the mirror, there's a picture of a supernova behind him. If you look at it from an angle, it almost looks like Satan's face. Mm -hmm. Also, the tachyons, I think that's what it is, tachyons, the particles, the subatomic particles from the supernova from like millions of years ago that just passed through Earth that they talk about in the movie is what activates the Antichrist to begin with. So the subatomic particles kind of like generate the, like give it life in a way. Mm -hmm. So having that in the background is symbolic of like, you know, it really, they never really stopped it. They just helped it in a way. Like I feel like, like some people feel like it is like it wasn't over and they just thought it was over kind of thing. I like that. I like that it's kind of up in the air. Right. It's a little disjointed. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, the story is a little disjointed. It doesn't make a lot of sense. doesn't hand yeah. everything to you like no. most movies these days. Right. But it was fucking awesome, so I didn't care. Right. It didn't piss me off that it was disjointed, and I didn't notice it as much as I do in most other movies. It, I thought it was very well done. So. I, you asked me what some of my favorite scenes were. One of my favorites is the scene with the girl who transforms into the Antichrist. She embodies him. Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. She's the blonde-haired chick. When she fucking starts to change and her belly fucking fills up and her stomach gets all big and, like, her f- sores on her face and shit, and then she kind of looks over at fucking... Walter. Walter, yeah. And then moves the bed next to her because she's like got all this power because the the, the essentially the ooze, the the millions of years old ooze that crash landed here to Earth has to soak into the body of its host in order for it to basically fully come to tuition or fruition to pull the anti god through the mirror, etc. etc. That whole scene is just fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that she looks at him. It reminds me of Fulci. It has, like, this weird, zony, like, I'm going to spit liquid into your it's mouth type things. Yeah, it's really c- kind of cool. It was awesome. I don't know. Her whole progression is, f- like, my favorite part of this yeah. entire movie. Because you don't really know much about her. She talks, like, all. a couple of times. You don't know shit about her. Like, you have no idea. It doesn't allude to the fact that she's going to be the chosen one at all. And all of a sudden, she's got this weird mark on her arm. Yeah, and she's why didn't because to sleep she bumped into the bam. equipment? Remember? Like, she yeah, bumped, it was, just, well, it was that so didn't make weird. Sense no, to me. none of it made sense. And this is part of the disjointed esque part of it. But like, you literally have no idea that she's going to be end up being the chosen one. You don't think that at all. Like, if anything, you think the redhead's going to end up being the one that's the fucking chosen one, but that's not. Like, she ends up being the fucking martyr in the end, which is interesting twist or turn of events. But her progression. Lisa Blount is phenomenal. Like I don't the makeup work and the effects on her are so fucking cool and her whole interaction between Donald Pleasance so I don't know. It was Well, and Donald Pleasance hides like so a little bitch. Good. Yes, he does hide like a little bitch, but he's a priest and I guess that's what they're supposed to do. I don't know. <laughs> it's just hide and pray. I don't know. Their interaction though is really fucking cool. Yeah, Kelly's character is played by Susan Blanchard by the way. Mm-hmm. Just so everybody knows. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was fucking awesome. 
I just I can't get over the effects and like the makeup work are just out of this fucking world. Yeah, it's more intended though. I feel like uh, like it wasn't like there was some really cool shit. Like oh, the part where uh, when the guy gets stabbed to death outside. Uh, when he turns into beetles, because that was fucking yeah, incredible. Well, the first he gets stabbed to death, and you this this awesome scene of this fucking these clippers. Yeah, the like hedge, scissors, the hedge, hedge clippers, yeah. yeah, like flying through the air. That whole shot is really cool. Super psycho esque. Yeah, or like fucking uh, Suspiria. Yeah, um, it was beautiful. They uh, fly through the air and stabs him like I don't know how many times, but then 50. so he dies that time, right? And then later on, he comes back as a pile of bugs that start crawling out of his chest and his voice, and he's like, he's like. I've got an answer, but you're not going to like it. It's awesome. And then his head falls back, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that scene is badass. That scene is amazing. That's like, it's pretty cool, man. so fucking cool that he just literally turns into these fucking black beetles. Right. And, like, almost like these, like, scarabesque, like, bugs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're beetles. So of some fucking sort. cool. And I also love when the anti-god son or whatever, like the green goopy goo shit is entering into Kelly's body. Who's the black guy? Oh my God. I don't remember his name, but I like him. Is it him. Ken Wright? I think you're, I think so. He was great. I love when he's standing in front of the mirror, just like laughing uncomfortably. And it's almost like he's there, but he's not. Can't think of his name because they don't show a picture of him on IMDb. So I'm a little confused. As to who he is, so committed. He does such an amazing job. Anytime that he's on the screen, I fucking love. I like, agree. I think he was great. He was great. He's really fucking good, and I really liked him in this movie. I thought he added like this extra element of what the fuck is going on right now. So, yeah. what are your what are your final thoughts on this though? <clears throat> it's dark. It makes you think. It has a nod to many different films in a way but very subtly. I don't know. It's different. It's an idea that had been played with before, but not in that way. So he he took something and he ran with it, and this was a, a big comeback to horror for him, and he almost felt like he had to prove something in a way, but he kind of also Overdid put his it. fingers up and went, I don't give a flying fuck. I'm still going to do what the fuck I want to do because I'm fucking John Carpenter. You're going to like it or you're not. And so I loved I loved that about it, and it... It's an awesome fucking movie. Yeah, and 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 like I said, I, I really feel like of all the films that he has, this is probably one of the, like, it really is the most underrated film that he has in his catalog of movies. Um, there are other movies that are not so great. Uh, some of the newer one, the newest one, I think. The Ward. The Ward. Ugh. I was a little taken back by, but I don't know how much creative control he had. Right. Whereas this movie, he had full creative control. I didn't feel like he had any creative control in that movie. Maybe so, not. Sorry. Because it's a kind of a weird one. I, like, it's not horrible. It's enjoyable. It's just not what I would consider a Carpenter film. No. Uh, not at all. This one in particular, though, shows that he has the thought in his head that can be put to screen, and it can actually make something pretty unique. Uh, is this one of his best movies? No. But is it a really... It's a good movie. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's like a seven or an eight, at least. Like a seven, I think. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. It's kind of left up to whether or not you will like it or not. Right. Because it kind of dances on the line between religion and science. You're going to get a little from both, but you're also going to get people that don't like the movie because it tries to dance on that line. 
So, you know, it may not be for everybody, but I, I actually really enjoy it. Same. Kind of like how I enjoy People Under the Stairs by Wes Craven. This is one of those movies that, I don't know, to me, it's just serious, dark, while it has some of the comedic actors from Big Drama Little China. That's a big thing. Donald Pleasance. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, weirdly fucking placed, like, comedy in here that's not necessary and actually pretty stupid, but right. it still kind of works in a way. Yeah, so, I, I don't think know. so. It's it's not awful. I'm, I would give it a solid seven, maybe even seven and a half, but, and that's strictly just because it, it is kind of all over the place. Um, there's not a lot of structure, really. No, it does feel a little disjointed. Um, but it, it's, it's still a really cool flick. Yeah. If you haven't seen it and you are a John Carpenter fan, you have to watch his whole catalog. I'm still actively buying all of his movies that he's done. So it's, you know, it's like, I'm not perfect. I can't buy everything. But, you know, as we do this show, we start to get more and more and more. So, uh, we even actually have next week's episodes that we're pretty much planning to do next week so um we'll tell you more about that in a second but as far as john carpenter goes i'm really honored that we got to go see him in vegas i enjoyed watching body bags and the prince of darkness i think if i had to pick between the two i would go prince of darkness i agree uh i think that's probably the better movie uh body bags is fun though it's you know it's it's like hey i got money let's do this you know um it's not for everybody but what do you guys think? Do you guys like these movies? Do you prefer one of the o- over the other? Do you enjoy Prince of Darkness or do you hate it? Do you hate body bags? Do you love it? Like, let us know in the comments of any of our stuff that you find anywhere. And if you haven't already, please do go to longlivethevoid.com to check out any of our stuff. If you want to check out our horror shots, our grave plots, any of our segments, any of the stuff that we do, and maybe keep up with some of the reviews. We got some new writers. Actually got a new writer on top of that that's going to be writing for us, uh, who's really awesome. Super fucking thankful that they're joining up with us to be a part of the team at some point. Uh, Sin Fury from uh, Horror amino who i've talked to nonstop for over a year now so um welcome aboard man i can't wait to see what you do so but other than that thank you guys so much for stopping by next week we are going to be talking about slaughter high <laughs> and a movie called funny man so if you're interested in seeing those movies before we talk about them here is your warning this is your chance do it now do it do but it Thank you guys so much for stopping by. So glad to be back. We missed you guys. Stay weird, monsters. Oh.